Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a great topic for you guys today. It's 12 strategies to stop toxic people from driving you nuts. <laughs> oh, my day has been full of toxic people today, I have to say. Or rather, <laughs> it's been full of day people. Oh my God, today. It's, it's been like a constant barrage of nutty people bringing me their nutty issues. And I'm not even talking about coaching clients. Those people pay me to listen to them. <laughs> you having one of those days? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's the roulette wheel of what happens next. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, it's you know, funny. To your point, yeah. though, we all deal with it, and we need these strategies, so it should be a fun show. Real estate welcomes uh, – Hold. real estate seems to welcome these types of people that have their unique little problems and issues. And the thing we always have to remind ourselves in business in general, but frankly, mostly we have to remind ourselves when we're doing a real estate transaction, that you're dealing with people probably at their worst. That's something that's hard to remember, but it's true. A lot of folks basically are geared their entire lives, never have to deal with the stress that is involved with a real estate transaction. And there's all been, been all kinds of studies that have been done over the years that have shown some of the most stressful things that people experience in their lives. Uh, you know, they're all the normal things that you would think of, but then real estate transaction or buying or selling your own home is right up there at like the top five. I know when Julie and I, uh, when we've, we've moved droves of times in our almost 30 years of marriage, and I know it's very stressful, even though we sold thousands of houses during our personal real estate career, it's still stressful. So what you guys got to remember is probably 50% of the job that you're going to be doing is a little bit of a, running an adult daycare. You're going to be dealing with people's unbridled emotions. You're going to be dealing with people that really literally have probably existed most of their lives and have only experienced maybe two or three things that are as stressful to them as buying or selling real estate. You've got to keep that in mind, have some empathy for folks. Now, here's the irony of it. Many of you have yet to build up the calluses to deal with the stress and the strain of helping folks buy or sell real estate. So you personally are a little bit overly emotional when you're going through the process. And, you know, as a result of that, you're not doing a very good job of doctor filling your clients through the process. So a lot of this comes with experience, but most of this comes with just the understanding that it is your job to shelter. To, well, here, here's the thing everyone should write in their notes. Show emotion without being emotional. That's something Julie and I learned the hard way when we first got into business. You're going to run into people with all kinds of hardship. Not everyone is buying or selling real estate out of glee, out of some exciting thing. Sometimes it's because they have a health problem or a financial problem, something going on that they prefer not to experience. And of course, you're going to take the brunt of that. Because you're absolute, you know, they're going to say, oh, you're making money for my, you know, loss of a job or whatever. But, you know, none of those things have anything to do with each other. But if you've not built up a tall enough emotional wall around yourself, you're going to start doing silly things like discounting your commission. You're going to start doing silly things like working for free, things like that. You know, there's an old saying that if you want to help the homeless, the best way to do it is not joining them. So when you're providing a professional level of service, when you're helping somebody solve a problem, you absolutely should get paid for it. But showing emotion without being emotional is one of the main things that you have to learn. And I know that's easy to say. It's hard to do, and it's true. But if you think like a nurse, 
Julie and I have gotten to know a lot of people in Orange Theory fitness class, and a couple of them are nurses. And I always ask them. I think they think I'm just trying to pass time and just ask general questions, but I'm not. I'm really curious how someone in the medical profession who deals with, you know, if you think about it, no one's sitting at a hospital bed, generally speaking, out of glee. You know, maybe having a baby, that would be about it. But for the most part, everyone that's in that situation is probably under an incredible amount of stress. And yet the doctor, the nurse, the medical professional has somehow figured out a way not to carry that burden of their emotional stress around with them. And that's how you guys got to be. Now, as a nurse or a doctor, do, are they uncaring? No, of course not. But what they've done is they've built some professional resilience. And that's what you guys have to do as well. So it's important that you understand that part of your job is, you know, this is kind of goes back to a stoic philosophy. And you guys know that we're big fans of Ryan Holiday's books. But like in an interview recently, Ryan was asked basically what's his, you know, elevator, uh, you know, very short description of what stoicism is. And he said, and I like this, and we're going to adopt it, Julie, is he said that it's basically accepting the fact that we live in a world of chaos where essentially things happen randomly for no particular reason. You know, man created and otherwise. And the whole stoic philosophy is geared towards helping you have the stability of mindset to know how to react or choose how to react to whatever those chaotic moments are. So when you're going through these and you're listening to Julie's 12 uh, strategic uh, you know, strategies to stop toxic people from driving you nuts, it's important that you guys understand that you can't control what ends up in your email, your voicemail, and your life in general, but you can control ultimately how you react to it. And that is really incredibly important because when you realize you do have that element of control, kind of the world starts to shift because then you start having a sense of responsibility for not just how you uh, react, you know, but also how you think and how you feel. You can't control the, the first feeling that pops into your mind, but you can control with practice the second thought, but most importantly, you can control how you react to those thoughts to begin with. So understanding and accepting the fact that we live in a world that's kind of chaotic by nature, literally, and uh, you have to, your job is to learn how to make it so that you at least give yourself the opportunity to decide how you're going to react to that particular whatever that's showing up in your life. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, absolutely. But it does take uh, action, skill, thought, and catching yourself and not letting that first reactive thought become a lifestyle. You know, you see this from time to time. I'll never forget it. A new coaching client I got one time uh, came to us and I asked how her previous year had been. And She's like, oh, it was a disaster. Well, why is that? Well, I had a $5 million commercial property that I was counting on in contract for eight months, and then it didn't close. And I'm like, okay, and what else? That had become her theme song for that year about that one deal <laughs> and how she was thinking about it. So it does take action and thoughtfulness, and this is a real skill. So that's why I wanted to take time to do these podcasts. And I'm ready if you are. I've got just one quick thing on uh, Facebook uh, shout out here. Uh, we have an agent looking for a, this is a listing referral for Provo, Utah, and I think there's probably four or five other referrals on our private Facebook page. And then I really am enjoying seeing these accountability posting, postings of you guys keeping track of your day-to-day -day actual activity, number of listing appointments, listings taken, listings sold, buyer interviews, buyers sold, leads generated, handwritten cards sent out, your day-to-day -day action that you know, attributes to your accumulation effect on the path to meeting or exceeding your goals. A lot of you guys are getting the uh, visual accountability, the whiteboards done, and actually holding yourselves accountable. So uh, let's see, I'm ready to get into our discussion of what to do about the toxic. 
when you're ready. So, guys, we're going to make this as entertaining as possible, but remember to take notes and really write some of this stuff down. If you guys are, um, you know, maybe right now you're having a fantastic month and everything's going the right direction, and it seems like you're not attracting any toxic people to you, and it's only going to take one uh, to really kind of sometimes throw you off path. I want you to think about the example that Julie just gave with that agent who was talking about having a bad year because she had one deal fall apart. Here's what ultimately happens is that when we have maybe it's usually two or three kind of shitty things happen. And uh, what happens then is we'll then that'll change our trajectory. That'll change our momentum. So it's kind of like if, uh, you know, you're headed in a particular direction and then all of a sudden a few impacts happen and that's going to then cause you to basically go off course. And then unless you take corrective measures, you're going to keep going off course. And the longer you allow yourself to go off course, the further and further away you're going to get, uh, you're going to move away from your original path. So when you're going through this process, what you need to realize is if you're not consciously omnipresent aware of what's going on as far as how you're reacting to things in your life, be really introspective in it and just observe yourself. Are you overreacting? Are you underreacting? Are you uh, taking corrective measures or are you just being impulsive and reacting off emotion? These are the types of things that come with basic experience in life, but also experience in business. So as you listen to Julie's points, I want you to think about this. Chances are, if you're off track in any aspect of your life, business, personal, emotional, financial, spiritual, even familial, I suppose, educational, chances are you went off track ages ago and you don't even remember when. Now, Julie's example, again, that gal said, well, I had a crappy year because I had this deal fall apart, you know, a while ago. Well, she allowed that to take her off track forever. Some of you, here's the interesting thing. Some of you are off track now in other aspects of your, well, let's just say financially. You're off track financially and you don't even know why. You don't even know, remember how you got off track. You don't even know necessarily that you are off track. You listen to our podcast a little while. You know, I know finances, money, those conversations, generally speaking, give people the night sweats. I get it. But let's say you decide that you're going to own it. You're going to take responsibility for it. You're going to decide that the rest of this year is going to be the year where you're going to get your house, your financial house in order. Let's just, I'm choosing an intentionally difficult one for people to think about here as an example. Well, so you're going to start going through and you're going to realize maybe you've developed some bad spending habits. Maybe you've developed lack of savings. Maybe you've developed just at all these types of normal things that people experience. Now, what a lot of you guys will do is you'll start then analyzing why you do what you do. And I'm here to tell you, that's bullshit. You're never going to get to the heart of the why. It's a waste of time. It honestly is a waste of time wondering why you think the way you think or why you do what you do or why you eat what you eat or why you all that. It's a waste of time. Here's really what you should be focusing on. And the reason it's a waste of time because you're focusing too much on the past. And your past is basically full of memories that are dis disconnected to the present. Matter of fact, your past, your memories of the past, how you came about thinking the way you think, they could be completely wrong. Your brain may have rewired the memory, and you don't know that it did. So when you're trying to make logic of your logical sense of some particular way you're thinking today based on your memories of what, what you experienced you know, 20 years ago, good luck with that. It never works out. That's the reason we always suggest to all of our coaching clients, everything we always do is trying to get you guys to focus on the here and now first, and then thinking about what you want your future to be like second. Because then you're in control. Then you don't have to be burdened by all these you know, versions of these memories that you have floating around your head. You can be in control of what your future is. So when you're going through these points and you guys are thinking about these, and again, we're going to try to make these fun for you. I want you to really, really take these points seriously. And I want you to write these down so that you have the ability then to realize, you know what? I've let some toxic asshole in my life. And that person has the potential of really throwing me off my game. I don't want to be thrown off my game. 
And you know, you know, you'll need to take corrective measures. My suggestion to you is if the person's so bad, you just cut them out of your life. If they're, if it's manageable or if there's a real estate client, which frankly you get paid to put up with toxic people as a real estate client, you then need to develop the skill set to be able to service those people. Again, be like the nurse, be the doctor where you show emotion without being emotional, where you don't absorb their emotions. You don't absorb their crazy because there's a lot of crazy out there in real estate deals, right? But you, again, if you've obligated yourself to sign a listing contract or whatever, whatever that person throws at you, you have to kind of deal with, assuming, you know, obviously it's not too abusive. Julie, does that make sense or am I taking it too far? No, no. I mean, you and I have lived through deals like that. And, you know, I start off our premier coaching uh, reminding them that they can ask questions about anything, including self-management, client management, other agent management, toxic people management. You know, this does come up so frequently that we have to address it. I love this quote by John Mark Green. It's so dramatic. He said, toxic people attach themselves like cinder blocks tied to your ankles and then invite you to Here swim in their poisoned waters. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you, I mean, that's pretty descriptive. So if you're not sure if somebody's toxic or not, just look up that quote, toxic people attach themselves like cinder blocks tied to your ankles and then invite you to swim in their poisoned waters. And that will answer the question. If that's how you're feeling, you are having to deal with a toxic person. So point number one, remember, these are strategies, what to do about it. We can all talk about our deals and toxic people and toxic agents and relationships and situations. The difference between the agents that persevere and meet or exceed their personal goals are the difference between them and everyone else is that they do something about this. They take action. So point number one, prune the weeds before they grow. Have systems in place to identify, quote, early warning signs before the weeds take over your relationship. In real estate, this means, here's a very specific skill that will help you with this. In real estate, it means pre-qualifying 100% of your buyers and sellers for motivation, time frame, and level of cooperation. Use your buyer and seller pre-qualification scripts without exception. I don't care if it's your best friend. You have to pre-qualify them for time frame, motivation, and level of cooperation. Maybe your best friend's husband knows another agent. That speaks to level of cooperation. So using pre-qualification scripts helps you to prune the weeds before they grow. Point number two, make sure you are not the toxic person yourself. Monitor your complaintometer. Are you a battery charger or are you a battery drainer? What hey, would Julie, people around you say? Yes. Julie, we, we, let, let, I'm going to take a half step back to the last sentence Julie wrote sure. on the first point. Sorry for doing that now. A lot of you guys are going to find yourselves knocking your head against a very hard wall when you try to make an unmotivated person into somebody who's motivated. Hmm. You cannot and should not ever try to make an unmotivated person to somebody who's motivated. That is an exercise in futility. It is, it, it, you are the crazy person if you try to do that. That's the problem ultimately with working with buyers, guys. This is the reason that Julie and I preach from the, from the gospel of, of being a listing agent, because it's very simple. Why? Because you will never challenge me on it. That's okay. I don't mind it. You'll never find a buyer that truly has to buy ever, ever, ever. No, not a 1031. They can just pay the taxes. Sorry. You'll never find a buyer that has to buy. And you guys are experiencing that. This is the reason we don't want you wasting your lives. We don't want to wait, you wasting your spring, summer, fall, winter on chasing buyers where you're finding that most times they can't step up to the plate. They can't qualify. They can't, you know, whatever. Buyers ultimately, guys, never have to buy because they can always rent or they can always stay put if they own or living in their mom's basement. All those things 
are possibilities for a buyer, but you find lots and lots of examples of sellers that have to sell. You guys get it? You cannot motivate a buyer to buy. Ultimately, they will or they won't. But sellers, good sellers, if you pre-qualify them, if you use our scripts, they will uh, present themselves as saying things like, I have to sell this property, <laughs> right? So yeah. a buyer is, well, you know, if I can get this and the other thing and all the prices line and I get the inspection, I get the this, the other thing. Just think about it. You guys have a buyer shows up in your email. Woo, you're excited. Let's just say they're, you know, it's a reload buyer and they want to find a per certain price range that, you know, is a price range. that's hard to find things in. And they're, you know, they're very particular and they're very, very specific about the sizes of the rooms because of the furniture that they're going to be, you know, they want to be within exact distance from their church, their synagogue, their mosque and their school. They wanted this, the other thing, big backyard. Oh, by the way, they have two great Pyrenees. So they need, you guys get the point. Those are buyers. And that's and what drives you crazy in this paid. business. <laughs> they need closing costs paid. Oh, by the way, they want you to kick in some commission. Does this sound familiar, folks? Now, you look on the listing side of it. They'll call you up or you'll call them, ideally, proactively, generation is what we're all about. And they'll tell you, I have to sell this property. I have to relocate. I cannot uh, rent this and cover the mortgage payment. It's part of a probate. It's part of a divorce. It's part of an inheritance. It's a part of a, you know, it's a distressed property. It's a, you guys, when you're thinking about real estate and you're thinking about what really makes it so that you feel like you're burning it at both ends at all times, I promise you it's the buyers. It's not the sellers. Now, are we advocates of just basically, you know, shedding buyers? Yeah, at a certain point you can, honestly. When you have enough listings, if you choose to just basically focus your energies on working professional hours, not giving away your nights and weekends anymore, and you want to focus on just focus on taking listings and servicing the hell out of your sellers once you get good at it, if you don't want to work buyers anymore, feel free to refer those off to other agents. I promise you they're going to line up around the corner wanting to take those lists. You think there's a long line for the new iPhone. Huh, you start offering buyer leads in your office even. For 25 or 30%, trust me, buyer agents will just, because a lot of this new generation of agents that's come into the business in the last 10 years, nobody's telling them what we're telling them. Nobody's telling them to focus on becoming listing agents. So they think they're supposed to basically toil away endless nights and weekends, endless summers, missing all their family things, focusing on buyers. No one tells them what we're saying. We're the only, like, we're the lone voice out there right now that's saying, focus all your best energies on sellers. When the market starts to shift, and I know in your many markets there already is, yes, I know the press isn't talking about it, but still it's happening. And you're a listing agent, you're going to control the marketplace. These agents that are basically dependent on buying buyer leads, they're not going to last. They never do. They never have. So listen, guys, I want you to really think about when you're trying to uh, essentially balance yourself out and you find yourself working with a bunch of people that drive you nuts, that are putting unnecessary demands, here's the elements you're going to find true about them. One, they're probably buyers. Two, if they're sellers, they're unmotivated sellers. They don't have to sell. A have to sell person is someone who, when asked the question, Mr. Seller, do you have to sell or do you want to sell? They'll tell you I want to sell. Okay, Mr. Seller, help me understand. So if I were to pop by your house with a buyer that you know, had no issues with the appraisal, no issues with the inspection, no issues with financing, no issues whatsoever, and the check I hand you at closing meets or exceeds your expectations. In other words, this is the buyer you've been hoping for. Would you sell the property? And then they give you some other ridiculousness. Well, if I found this or if the other thing, or if I can get over asking price by, okay, not a real seller, move on. If you try to work with those people, you will waste too much of your effort and time on this planet and you will burn out of real estate. That means you are going to have to make a lot more contacts. That means you're going to have to spend a lot more time at the top of your business when it comes to lead generation. But when you do, guys, and that is the way to run any business, by the way, when you focus on that, you will make more money by helping more people accomplish their goals. They are out there. I promise you.
Julie, so go back to point number two, I'm sorry. That's okay, all exceptional points uh, in things that they must embrace and take action on. Number two, make sure you are not the toxic person yourself. Monitor your complaintometer. That's how many times you complain a day, a minute, a second. Are you a battery charger or are you a battery drainer? What would people around you say? Do you create problems just to feel like you've, quote, negotiated? Hmm, how many of our listeners are secretly guilty of that? Maybe even subconsciously. You know how the deal is just going too smoothly and you're like a heat-seeking radar looking for that little inspection problem so that you can do your thing. Don't create problems where there aren't any. Make sure that your complaintometer is in check. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Nope, not really. Good point. Sometimes it's self-created. So point number three, stop having separate rules for different or unique situations. Just because someone is buying or selling at twice your average sale price, for example, doesn't automatically make them qualified. Some of you guys are so weird about pre-qualifying people when they spend like 100 grand more than your average sale price. Or you don't pre-qualify your friends because you don't want to talk about money with them, even though those are the kinds of deals that you always want, past clients, center of influence. You have all these separate rules for different or unique situations. Oh, you only send your pre-listing package when it's not somebody that was a referral. Stop doing that. Have the same rules for everyone. That's why we wrote the Harris Rules book. If you don't have that and you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Amazon, type in Harris Rules book and get it. Use the same rules every time. You know, Tim, I always think of my dad on that when I was learning to drive. He said, when you come to a stop sign, always count to three. Well, why? So that you can never be accused of a rolling stop or not seeing the stop sign. I mean, that's a good thing to teach a new driver. That always pops into my head. Don't, you know, just kind of roll through this one because there's nobody around. Don't have separate rules for separate people. Point number four, when you generate an abundance of business, you don't have to tolerate the toxic, unmotivated, overly pushy, disrespectful time vampires. The shortened saying is when you generate, you don't have to tolerate. How many times have you worked with toxic people because you just didn't have enough in your pipeline and figured, what the heck? It's what I've got. The more business you have, the less you'll say yes to questionable prospects. So when you generate, you don't have to tolerate. That would be a great saying to put on your whiteboards, for example. Point number five. Stop thinking real estate is full of toxic people or that it's just your business that has toxic types. It's not real estate. It's dealing with the public. Every business that's successful has toxic people slip under the radar from time to time. It's a numbers game. It's not real estate. It may be your business from time to time when you get several slipping past you at the same time, but when does that happen? Be introspective. Is it when you're busy, when you're tired, disorganized, when you've stopped using your scripts? I had somebody tell me uh, this morning that when they stopped listening to the podcast, they stopped prospecting for some reason. So guess what their homework is? Get back online with the podcast. So well, some of you, certain things are a catalyst to you allowing the toxic in. Go ahead. So let, let's hover there for a second. Here's a fun exercise. Maybe it's a little early in the year to do most this for most of you. But all right. So if you guys can think back to your last 10 closed transactions, some of you, it's going to be your last 50. Others of you, it's going to be your last two, right? Whatever, wherever. If you look back and you think back, what are those sellers? How many of those were sellers? Of the ones that were sellers, what was their motivation? You will not find a single seller who didn't have to sell that sold. Just won't happen. Because if they could keep the house, they did. If they didn't have to sell, they wouldn't. They kept the house. They just changed. Their, they, they didn't have a realistic price. They didn't have realistic terms. The condition wasn't good enough. 
because they weren't motivated truly to sell. When somebody's motivated to sell, that they will actually do what you ask them to do. They'll allow the showings. They'll clean up the dog poop. They'll fix the house up. They'll, st they'll fix the strange smells. They'll welcome your suggestions about conditioning the house. They'll welcome your ideas that you need to reposition the house, i.e. lower the price when the market has rejected it after two weeks or 10 showings. That's how a real buyer or a real seller acts. Now, some of you have never experienced that before. And the reason you've never experienced it before, guys, is because you are not proactively lead generating. You're spending too much time with buyers and you're settling. You're not taking just the sellers who have to sell. Now, the middle ground, sometimes you'll find sellers that sort of mostly have to sell or as a lot of our own personal elite clients, you'll be dealing with really, really high-end sellers and really, really high-end sellers don't ever have to really truly do anything financially. They just choose to. I mean, they can, for complete financial, no particular reason, decide to rent a house out, lose money on it, have it be the worst investment ever, but they don't care. They'll hold on to it. I have coaching clients who, uh, during uh, the, the recession, when the wheels started coming off the wagon, who had dozens in Hollywood, I remember, in New York, had dozens of these multi-million dollar listings. The sellers, to a person, just said, I'm not dropping my price. Screw that. I'll just hold off. I'll just hold the property. They held the asset, leased it out. That's when all this high-end leasing, that's when this, you know, some of you, have, again, who've only been in the business for 10 years, high-end leasing properties of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 a month, that really came as a result of the recession. And a lot of people have just stayed doing it. A lot of owners kept the properties as rentals. You'll see, uh, frankly, a lot of... Um, uh, Tenants who just decide never to buy again because they're going to move from one $30,000 a month property to another. Hey, look, you know, you guys can maybe in your world say that is insanity and financially for you it would be, but for them, because they have so much money, they don't care. The point is, guys, is that when you're dealing with certain types of upper end, very upper end folks, the rules with regards to motivation, they do obscure. So you have to essentially have the expertise to uh, ask enough really good questions to know if the seller was presented with a viable offer, would they accept it? And if they would, then go for it. Uh, and don't fall, don't make the mistake of assuming just because someone has a house that's for sale, say an expired, uh, that they are still motivated. Sometimes people do crazy things. This is about toxic people. And when you're dealing with for sale by owners, unrepresented owners, you're going to run into that there too. People that have houses for sale, FISBO, and then you start getting to ask the questions in our pre-call script and you'll realize that they're not even remotely motivated. Then you have to ask yourself, why the hell does this guy have this property for sale? And there's no answer. Oh, here's your answer. Julie and I had run into these when we sold real estate. They're just trying to make brands. <laughs> That's the conclusion we came to. Because <laughs> you're running to people they're like that all the time. Sellers. They're they social sellers. That's what we call them. They want people to come over and show off their garden and their, you know, whatever you know it doesn't matter so you guys every Special 20 fisbos. say right every 20 uh you know fisbos that you come across you'll find one that's going to be just like what we just described just a social fisbo a nice retired person usually got nothing better to do thought they'd meet some people make some friends i mean i could tell you guys some funny stories about that but i digress next point julie and let's round the bend for today's show Yes, you got it. So this was a major lesson that I learned through going through many transactions. And it comes down to owning the situation. Appreciate difficult people for the light that they shine on your business. Cranky, particular, stressed out types are like heat-seeking missiles looking for the flaws in your system. Be grateful that they identify those issues and then fix the flaws. 
For example, people who slipped under the radar because you didn't bother to ask those pre-qualifying questions. They're showing you the flaw in your system is that you didn't pre-qualify. So be grateful that there are people out there. That really kind of keeps it in perspective. I remember that was a major aha for me. All right, well, I'm going to go fix that because I sure as heck don't want to deal with that problem again in the future. So I think that's a good place to round the bend, and we'll do the rest of the points tomorrow. You know, a lot of this, guys, falls into the realm, and this is kind of going into a different topic just very briefly. You know, um, a lot of people misunderstand when Julie and I talk about mindset. We are not advocates of the droning on about mindset because most of which, most of what people are talking about really comes from what we refer to as the mindset movement versus having a powerful mindset. And uh, a mindset, the mindset movement is where a lot of this misconceptions about what it takes to be successful, where that stuff started to sort of germinate in our culture. And that's where you see a lot of people that started replacing action and becoming really good at something with just basically thinking and, and meditating and writing it down and visualizing and all the rest of it. And I know if you're my age or younger, you, I'm right now uh, saying something that you find maybe even slightly offensive because you've listened to so many books and come across so many people that have motivated you temporarily, by the way, in the past. And that's been their bread and butter, essentially visualizing and meditating and hoping the universe will bring it to you. And those people make you feel good. It's very bad. It's very difficult to think back and realize that most of what they were saying was hocus pocus. And I struggled with the realization that the mindset movement is mostly snake oil. I struggled with that as a professional coach for a long time. And here's where I came from. Here's the basic thing that helped me around the bend. I could not do my job with integrity or teach others to be great coaches working for us, coaching all of you guys, if I allowed the mindset movement crap to perpetuate uh, or to basically infiltrate into our business. Because what happens is people stop taking action. Now, what's the difference between the mindset movement, touchy-feely stuff, and actual having a powerful mindset? When Julie's talking about basically the things that she's sharing with you, essentially what she just shared with you about, you know, how to think about when you have somebody that's, you know, really confrontational and makes your life difficult, look at that as an opportunity to learn. That's called having a strong mindset about improvement. That's completely different than this whole mindset movement thing. I've been working on this chapter in our new book, by the way. It's the reason it's top of mind. But when I'm going through these points with Julie and we are thinking about really how to help you guys the most this week with all this, you know, because there's a lot of stress out there. A lot of people that are frustrated with trying to find a house and sellers that are frankly being a little bit too greedy and they're not really paying attention to what the market actually happen. You know, they're, they're thinking their houses may be worth more than it is. All those normal things that happen in the spring every year in real estate that's happened forever, that'll happen forever in real estate. And it always takes me back to the idea that if you are not somebody who's ever been a skill or learned to be skilled or schooled and how to uh, be a professional, you are going to find yourself completely emotionally exhausted. You're going to find yourself probably if you've you know been really drilled down and focused since just the past three months, you probably if you've not yet built your emotional walls tall enough, you probably find yourself feeling a little exhausted right now. And the way for you to re uh, to basically reset that is realize that it really isn't your job to absorb their emotions. It's really not your job to basically become their, um, you know, you're not their counselor. You're not their, you're not the person who all their, you know, bad, evil, fearful thoughts are allowed to essentially set with. That's not your job. Your job is to provide a highest level of service you can. And from a seller's perspective, get the property sold in the shortest period of time, the least amount of hassle with the most, you know, net to the seller. That's your job. 
all the rest of the stuff that comes with it, you've got to really pay attention to see if you're inviting that into conversations with your sellers. Are you allowing yourself to talk about things that really have nothing to do with being a listing agent? Are you, and that goes true with your friends too and your family members. Why are you inviting that stuff in? Why are you actually engaging in conversations that you know ultimately are going to have a very detrimental effect on your mindset? Why are you reading things? Why are you going to podcasts? Why are you reading news stories that are going to essentially degrade your ability to be of service to other people? Why are you doing that? It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Well, here, there's no answer to it, but here's the solution. Stop doing it. Anything and everything that degrades your mindset and the mindset you should have is, do you wake up most mornings feeling like you want to be of service to other people, like you want to help people? Do you wake up with that resonating inside of you? Does that, does that some, is that a feeling that you've ever had before? That's where your strength is going to come from. Really know how to keep your head clear about your own mindset because you have to protect it. And when Julie's going through these points, you know, guys, listen back to today's show and tomorrow's show, obviously, when you're listening back to these points about toxic people, kind of laugh about it. And Julie said something earlier that's very important. You know, sometimes you're the toxic person. Sometimes you're the one that's inviting it in. Sometimes you're the one that's manifesting it in other people. So if you think maybe you're the toxic person, you probably are. So what corrective measures you, can you take? You can, first of all, decide to go media free, completely purge yourself of anything that's influencing your mindset. And then go back and listen to past podcasts. And you'll see there's a huge difference in the way that Julie and I present information to you guys about taking action versus just thinking about hoping and praying and meditating. You'll see that our sole focus is to be of service to other people at the highest level through earning it, through being able to offer superior service, offering your services that people will want to line up for because you have skills that can get the job done and that you do it without bringing emotion. You do it because they know that you're not somebody that's going to bring a lot of undue stress to the transaction. That's being a professional. You guys understand? Some of you do. Some of you are starting to. I know you are. Listen, if you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.